of God's Word, please. Mark chapter 14, a very sad passage of Scripture, but also a very encouraging uh, passage of Scripture in many ways, as I think you'll see today. As we think about uh, the Hosannas today, and it wasn't long before the Hosannas uh, went to the crucify him. 
And so we think about the Passion Week of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look today at uh, Mark chapter 14, probably a familiar passage to many. Uh, Mark chapter 14, uh, focusing primarily on verses 43 through 50. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer out loud, but in your own heart, answer this question. Has anyone ever let you down? Has anyone ever let you down? Uh, Maybe someone that you trusted, someone that you depended upon, uh, someone that you held in high regard, someone that you loved. uh, They let you down. And to make matters worse, perhaps they didn't just let you down. They've gone further. In fact, you would say that they have betrayed you. Today, we're going to be studying one of the saddest cases of betrayal in all of history. I have to say the saddest case of betrayal in all of history. Uh, Judas Iscariot's betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was betrayed with a kiss. And there are so many important lessons to note in this passage. Uh, All four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell this story. Now, we're going to focus on Mark's account today, and we'll mention some of the other ones as we go along. But you've got your Bibles open, Mark chapter 14. We're looking at verses 43 through 50, but let's back up a verse or two and kind of set the stage. The Lord Jesus Christ has been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Look at verse 41. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? You know, they kept falling asleep as he's praying. He said to them, watch him pray, but they just fall asleep. He says, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the son of man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Verse 42. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, verse 43, our passage today. And immediately while he was still speaking. Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him, that is Jesus, and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus answered and said to them, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Verse 50. Then they all forsook him and fled. As we think about the Passion Week of the Lord Jesus Christ, have you given any real thought? I don't mean just a passing thought. Have you given any real thought to the pain and suffering that the Lord Jesus Christ endured? Now, of course, there was the physical pain. And we often focus upon that. Jesus took upon himself real flesh. Uh, He had a real body and he knew real pain. And we think about uh, all that happened to him. We shudder as we think about the whip upon his back and the beard being pulled from his face and the crown of thorns that was driven upon his head and the nails that were placed in his hands and feet, beaten and bloodied and bruised and uh, bleeding. He endured so much physical pain. It's almost hard to get our arms wrapped around it. But then there is what we might call spiritual pain that he endured. 
That is, the Bible tells us the one who knew no sin became sin for us. The spotless Lamb of God was sullied with the sin of us all. And I believe that was the greatest pain that he endured, by the way, the spiritual pain, taking upon himself the sin of the whole world. I believe that's why he struggles so in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's crying out, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will, sweating great drops of blood as he's struggling, I believe, especially with the spiritual pain he's about to endure, taking upon himself the sin of us. And realizing the father was going to turn his face away from him. In fact, in this same book, if you looked in chapter 15, verse 34, it says, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The spiritual pain that he endured. One pastor wrote at three o'clock that dark Friday afternoon, The father turned his face away and the ancient eternal fellowship between father and son was broken as divine wrath rained down like a million Sodoms and Gomorrahs in the terror and agony of it all. Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about the sweet fellowship they've enjoyed for all eternity. And at that moment, the father turns and cannot look upon his son. Why? Because he's bearing your sin and my sin upon himself. There is the physical pain that he endured. There is the spiritual pain that he endured. But that's not all. There's also emotional pain involved in this picture. We might call it social pain, if you will. Why? Why was there emotional pain? Why was there social pain? Because he was betrayed and forsaken. He was betrayed and forsaken. Now, listen, the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ did not catch him off guard. It did not surprise him. In fact, he had spoken of it just a little bit of time before it actually happened. You're in Mark 14, right? Back up to verse 17. Mark 14, verse 17. The Bible says in the evening it came with the twelve. Verse 18. Now, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, it's surely I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. Imagine if you were there and you're hearing these words from the Lord Jesus there with these uh, disciples of his. Verse 19. I find this to be a very interesting verse. Verse 19. And they began to be sorrowful and say to him, one by one, is it I? And another said, is it I? Can you imagine the Lord Jesus? Listen, one of you is going to betray me. And they look and they're shocked. Well, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Verse 20, he answered and said to them, it is the one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. And of course, we know the one, Judas Iscariot. Verse 21, the son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. It was prophesied. It was foretold. Jesus knew But Judas was responsible and Judas, Jesus says, had been better if he'd never been born, but he was born. And Jesus knew it was going to happen and he knew who was going to do it. Let me ask you, do you think that lessened any of the pain of betrayal? I don't think so. I mean, think about it. Think about how much time he had spent with his betrayer. Think about how much time he'd spent with Judas Iscariot, loving him and teaching him, even washing his feet. Spending all this time with this one who's going to betray him. You know, Judas knew where to find Jesus on that night 
when he betrayed him. Why? Because he'd been with him there. Uh, Listen to this, John 18, verse 2. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. Why? It says, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. He'd been there with Jesus. And he knew the place. Now, I want you to understand something today, because I don't know what you're facing, beloved. But I want you to understand that I want you to just go ahead and let's just admit it. First of all, betrayal is real. Betrayal is real. Betrayal happens. And not only is it real, it's also very painful. It's real and it's painful. In fact, if you are facing betrayal, if you've been betrayed at some time in your past, or maybe in the future you're going to face this, where someone betrays you, listen, take heart, dear friend. Jesus understands all about this. Why? Because he was betrayed too. One of his closest, dearest ones that he ministered to and spent time with and called to follow him, betrayed him. So I want to walk through this passage and see what the Lord Jesus endured. Look at verse 43 again. It mentions the name Judas. Judas Iscariot. Now, Judas, how many folks have you met this past week named Judas? Anybody? People don't even name their dogs Judas, do they? They don't even name their cats Judas, do they? No, it's not a name that is used today. It's a name of disgrace. It's a name of infamy, is it not? But notice it doesn't just say Judas. It says in verse 43, Judas, one of the twelve. Now, beloved, how can this be? One who spent so much time with Jesus, one who was called to follow him, one who heard him and saw him and labored alongside with him, one who knew him better than lots of other people. He was one of the twelve. How could it be that Judas would betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we know that greed played a part. Listen to what John chapter 12, verses 5 and 6 says. Here's what Judas said at one point. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Verse 6 of John 12. This he said, Judas said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box. Now listen to what it says. And he used to take what was put in it. You see, they trusted Judas so much, they gave him the money box. He was the treasurer of the group. And yet he's there pilfering, taking what was uh, put in it. Greed played a part. But really, beloved, we know that Satan was behind what Judas did. He was a tool in Satan's hand. If you go to the Gospel of John again, I'm not having us turn to these. I want to kind of keep the the story going here. But in John chapter 13, you can jot these references down and look them up later. John chapter 13, verses 26 and 27. Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I've dipped. Remember, they said, is it I? Is it I? He says, the one that dips with me. It says, I shall give him a piece of bread when I've dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And so it should have been clear to everybody. But if you notice that oftentimes the disciples didn't really catch what Jesus was saying, kind of like us in church or Sunday school, God is speaking to us, but we don't catch it. We're distracted. Uh, We're thinking about something else. We're not paying attention. We think he's talking to somebody else when in fact he's talking to us. And the Bible says in John 13, 27, now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Let me read that again about Judas. John chapter 13, verse 27. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, Judas, what you do, do quickly, do quickly. And of course, you know that Judas sold the Lord Jesus Christ for 30 dirty pieces of silver. And he comes here with a great multitude to arrest 
the sovereign Lord, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We know from this passage and the other gospel accounts, they come with swords and they come with clubs and they come with torches and they come with lanterns. Uh, this group would have included the Jewish temple police. It would have included Roman soldiers. And beloved, I was amazed as I studied this past week. We're talking about hundreds of men coming after the Lord Jesus. John MacArthur, uh, writing about John's account of this, said a cohort, a cohort, a cohort of Roman soldiers, John 18, 3 and 12, uh, was 600 men at full strength, 600 men at full strength. He, he said it was in this crowd because the Jewish leaders who organized the throng needed permission from Rome to carry out the death penalty. And they feared the crowds. Now, we don't know if it was 600 plus people. We're talking about hundreds of people. So don't get the idea. Three people came out there. Hundreds of people coming out there. And there's swords and there's clubs and there's lanterns and there's torches. And there are a mob coming out to arrest the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read two of the most disturbing verses ever penned in all the Bible, in my opinion. Verses 44 and 45. Look at Mark 14, 44 and verse 45. <coughs> Now, his betrayer had given them a signal. You know, it's dark. Not all of them would know Jesus. They can't make a mistake in this. He'd given them a signal saying, now watch this. Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. The Bible says in verse 45, as soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Betrayed with a kiss. Beloved, listen, a kiss was a sign of respect. A kiss was a sign of love. It was common in this culture. Now, we don't kiss each other. Some culture. Aren't you glad about that, man? We don't kiss each other necessarily, do we? No, we, we shake hands, we pat on the back, we say, you know, we, we show our expressions of love and respect in different ways. But in this culture, a very common thing. But listen, where our, our English Bible says that Judas kissed him, you go look at that in the Greek, you go look at that in the original language, Thayer says it's a compound word in the Greek. And here's what it means. Listen, it means to kiss much, to kiss again and again, and to kiss tenderly. So one just a peck on the cheek. I mean, he, he kissed him more than once, if you will, on the cheek. He's, he's kissing him more than once. What a horrible, despicable display. Think about that. To see Judas walking up to the master, the savior, the Lord Jesus, and kissing him on the cheek. First of all, saying, Rabbi, Rabbi, and then kissing him and kissing him again and kissing him repeatedly. Betraying him with a kiss. In fact, Matthew's account says this, Matthew 26, 49 and 50. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Verse 50, listen, but Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Jesus knew what Judas was doing. He told him he was going to do it. And, and Judas comes. And can you see the Lord Jesus there saying, friend? Why have you come? If you go to Luke's account, you read these haunting words. Luke 22, verse 48. But Judas, or excuse me, but Jesus said to him, listen to Jesus' words now. Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? 
betrayed with a kiss. Now, Peter decides to fight. You remember, uh, he declared he would die for Jesus rather than deny him. So he goes for them. He, 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 he seeks to fight. And um, he pulls out a sword and uh, he cuts off the servant's ear here. We know from another passage the servant's name was Malchus. We know from another account that this was Peter who drew the sword. Now, we don't know if uh, he was trying to slash off his neck or go this way, but he just he was a bad aim, to say the least. And ever how he went with his sword, he cuts off the ear of Malchus. Uh, it doesn't give the account here in this passage, but we know from other accounts that, of course, Jesus heals Malchus. I don't know exactly how that looked. I guess maybe he reached down, picked up the ear and put it back on. I don't know. I often wonder what Malchus thought. And put yourself in his shoes for a moment. That's a totally different thing to ponder a while, but that's quite remarkable. But we'll keep with Mark here. In Mark 48 and 49, he's betrayed with a kiss. Then Jesus answered and said to them, have you come out against a robber? Or maybe your version has the idea of a revolutionary one who's leading rebellion. Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But notice the last part of that verse. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Jesus knew the scripture had to be fulfilled. The scripture talked about this. I'm not going to display this. I want you to listen to these. I'll give you the reference. You can jot it down. But just listen to these words. Psalm 41 verse 9. Psalm 41 verse 9. The Bible says in Psalm 41, verse 9, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Isaiah 53, we could read verses 3 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 12. For time's sake, let me just read verse 3. He, was, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. You can add to that Isaiah 53, 7 through 9, Isaiah 53, 12. And then there's Zechariah 13, verse 7. The scripture must be fulfilled. Zechariah 13, verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. And we think about that and then look at verse 50. You're still in Mark 14, right? Mark 14, verse 50. Sad verse. It says in Mark 14, 50. We just read Zechariah. Where it says, strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. Now look at Mark 14, 50. Then they all forsook him and fled. If you mark your Bible, you can mark that word all. Talk about emotional pain. Talk about social pain. They all forsook him. They all forsook him. He told them in Mark 14, you're still in Mark 14, verse 27, these words. Jesus said to them in Mark 14, 27, all of you, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, watch this, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Does that sound familiar? We just read it in the Old Testament. The scripture must be fulfilled. Remember what Peter said, Mark 14, 
verse 31. Mark 14, 31. Jesus says, you're going to deny me. Mark 14, 31. But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. But don't ever stop reading right there because we give Peter a bad rap. And he did make some mistakes. And boy, Peter was the one to open mouth and insert foot. But I want you to notice the end of Mark 14:31, and they all said likewise. They all said likewise. We're not going to deny you either, Lord. But they did. Of course, it had to be so why? Because Jesus didn't want them to die at this time. The plan was not for them to die then. Now, Judas had to say would go out and kill himself later. Most of the other disciples would die a martyr's death later. But the intent here was not for them to die now. Why? Because Jesus was going to send back into heaven after his resurrection. And he's going to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them, carrying forth the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he talks about this in John 18, verses 8 and 9. John 18, 8 and 9, listen to these words. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. This is talking about the betrayal. Now, let them go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled which you spoke of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. The plan was not for these to die yet. Now, beloved, Jesus is betrayed. But please note, I want you to hear me. Please note, he is in complete control of this situation. He's in complete control of the situation. He is voluntarily submitting himself to this betrayal. Listen, he could have spoken the world out of existence that moment. When he saw the group coming, he could have said, be gone. And everything could have just disappeared. Burn up, whatever he wanted to do. Never forget that while he's human, he is God. He's the sovereign Lord of the universe. Perfect God, perfect man. And we see a glimpse of his glory. We see a glimpse of his sovereignty in John's account. Listen to what John 18, talking about the betrayal again. John 18, verses 4 through 6. Um, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon them, he went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? He didn't go hide behind the bush. This great crowd's coming out. He goes, says, whom are you seeking? John 18, 4. Now, John 18, 5. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, listen, I am he. Does that sound familiar? What are we studying right now? In our adult classes, the I am statements. I am he and Judas who betrayed him also stood with him. Now listen to verse six of John 18. And now when he said to them, I am he, it says they drew back and fell to the ground. I am. He's in complete and absolute total control of this situation, but he chose to drink the cup. That his father had, he'd just been praying, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he says, I'll drink it. He says, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. And they fall back at him. And they stumble forward. And he voluntarily submits himself to this betrayal. Does that not cause you, beloved, to lift your heart in worship today, to know that he voluntarily, willingly was betrayed for you and for me. He willingly went to the cross for you and for me. He willingly suffered and died by his own choice for you and for me. Does it not cause you to lift your heart in worship today to realize what an amazing Savior Jesus is betrayed by choice? 
by choice. I was captivated by what one author wrote. He said, it is strange on the night of the betrayal. Perhaps the two loneliest figures in the world were the sinful disciple and his sinless Lord. But all the world of difference between the two. He said, Christ was lonely because he was the son of God. Bearing his cross alone and going out into glory. But Judas was lonely because he was the son of perdition. The son of perdition. With every harmony destroyed by sin and going out into the night. Two of the loneliest people on the face of the earth that night were Judas and Jesus. But oh, what a difference between the two. Now listen. I don't know what you're going through today. But Jesus understands. He's touched with the feeling of your infirmity. He's experienced being let down. He's experienced betrayal. He's been there. He's experienced that wound as well. But listen, there's something else you've got to understand today. Jesus understands, but don't ever forget. Jesus will never betray you or let you down. Now, that's a wonderful truth. That's a glorious truth is that Jesus will never betray you or let you down. Why? Because Jesus never fails. He never fails. Now, others let us down. Maybe not on purpose. Uh, Maybe because of the weakness of human flesh. Maybe because of our own unrealistic expectations of them. But some, they let us down. They betray us out of spite. Maybe out of hatred. Maybe out of greed. But Jesus never Never will he let you down. Never will he betray you. And so what do we do if you're struggling today? This this may go way back. This may be 20 years ago. Someone betrayed you 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Might be this past week. It might have been yesterday. What do you do with that? Well, here's what you do, beloved. Christian, you bring your betrayal. You bring your hurt. You bring your forsaken self to the Lord. And there you'll find comfort. And there you'll find healing. And there you'll find a balm for your soul, realizing that Jesus understands He went through it too. He was betrayed. His own precious friend betrayed Him with a kiss. And He's touched with the feeling of your infirmity. I think the old gospel songwriter caught it. I don't know if you remember this song or not, but the song went this way. Earthly friends may prove untrue. Doubts and fears assail. One still loves and cares for you, one who will not fail. Though the sky be dark and drear, fierce and strong the gale, just remember he is near and he will not fail. In life's dark and bitter hour, love will still prevail. Trust his everlasting power. Jesus will not fail. Do you remember the chorus? It goes like this. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth. May pass away. But what? Jesus never fails. Betrayed and let down by man, sure. Betrayed and let down by Jesus, never. Listen. He was betrayed for us. But he will never betray us. Blessed be his glorious, wonderful name. Let's pray. While your head is bowed and your eyes still closed. Do you know this Jesus I've been talking about today? 
He came for you. What we're reading about today, he did that for you. He went to the cross for you. He shed his precious blood for you. He arose again victorious for you. The Bible says that all have sinned, all of us have messed up, all of us have come short of God's glory. And we're condemned because of that. Condemned to a horrible place called hell. But God loves us so that he sent Jesus, his son, to live this sinless, perfect life and then voluntarily give his life. Take your sin upon himself. And I don't know today, but maybe you've wandered in here and you've never met the Lord Jesus Christ. I would encourage you this moment to cry out to him, to turn from your sin and place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The best way is just a simple prayer. If you mean it from your heart, is that God's working your heart right now. And you feel that burden. You know that you're lost. You know you're undone. You know you're a sinner. To simply cry out and say, dear God, I'm sorry for my sin. I don't want my sin anymore. I want the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. I would encourage you right where you are right now to call out to him. And the Bible says, if you will, he will save you. Do it right now. Call out to him. The best way to say, God, the best way I know how, I'm calling you. I'm asking Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. Would you do that today? Just right where you are. Now, I wonder, maybe you're here. While nobody's looking around, every head's bowed, every eyes are closed, every eye's closed. Anybody right then just call upon the Lord and ask him to save you? If so, would you slip your hand up? Say, preacher, that was me. I called on the Lord today. And I ask him to save me. Anybody like that here? Just between you and the Lord and me. Say, hey, would you rejoice? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come get you. Just want to rejoice with you. Anybody here today? Say, listen, I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Would you slip your hand up and just put it right back down? Okay. God bless you. Anybody else? Now, Christian, I don't know about you, but my heart has been lifted in worship as I've studied this passage. As I've looked at the betrayal of the Lord Jesus in a fresh light, as I've looked at it with more intensity. And I don't know about you today, maybe you're struggling in some areas. You know, Jesus has touched with the feeling of our infirmities in, in all areas, not just betrayal, but all areas. But maybe you're, you're, you're carrying some wounds today and you've been carrying them for a long time. Maybe years, maybe, I mean, maybe 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. Somebody has betrayed you. Somebody let you down. Someone that you trusted disappointed you. And you're carrying the wound to this day. Can I just encourage you, friend? Would you lay that at the foot of the cross this morning? You can come and say, Lord Jesus, you know what I'm dealing with. And you understand perfectly because I know you were betrayed too. And so, Lord, I can't bear this anymore. And I'm not going to bear it anymore. I give it to you, Lord. And I trust it to you. And I want to leave here in victory. And I want to leave here in peace. And I want to leave here with the healing balm of your love in my heart. Because you know, sometimes when those wounds are not dealt with, there becomes a root of bitterness. And there becomes uh, vengeance and all kinds of things in our life. But God does not want that for you. God wants you to leave free and in peace. And so I don't know about you, dear Christian, but maybe you're here today 
And I'm not going to come get you, but maybe you would just like for me to remember you in prayer, not by name, but just generally as I pray in closing. Maybe God's dealing with you about that right now. And God's put his finger on some air in your life. And you'd like me just to remember you in prayer. And I want to encourage you today. We're going to sing in just a moment. I want to encourage you to come and kneel at this altar and, and do business with God. But right now, I may just say, Preacher, would you just remember me in prayer? Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. I see you. Yes, I see you. Anybody else? Just slip your hand up. I see you. Yes, anybody else? All right. Father, we've sought to deliver your message today. We are so humbled when we see what the Lord Jesus did for us. To realize that Jesus knew from the get-go that Judas was going to betray him. And yet he loved him. And he ministered to him. And he washed his feet. And it seems even in his words to him when he's betraying him, friend, do you betray me? It's like he's reaching out to him, but Judas hardened his heart. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. We praise you for all that you bore for us. I thank you for the one that lifted a hand today to make sure that their name is written in the book of life. There may have been others here today who did but didn't lift their hand. Give them courage, Lord, to, to proclaim Jesus and to live for him. I saw hands of my brothers and sisters today. You've touched some areas in their life. Lord, I pray that you help them respond as you would guide them and direct them. Father, help us this week. We're looking forward to celebrating with vigor next Sunday the resurrection as we do every Sunday. But Lord, we know to get to the resurrection, we've got to go and see the cross and see the bloody body of our Lord Jesus in the tomb. And Father, I pray that you would help us to have our hearts so lifted and filled with praise and worship that they have outburst because you are worthy of all praise. And we give it to you today the best way we know how. We lift up the name of Jesus. In this place. Now bless this invitation, God. Help people to respond in faith and obedience. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning recounts the story we've been talking about, about uh, the cross, about what Jesus did for us. 149. Beloved, the altar is open today. Perhaps you need to pray to receive Christ. Perhaps you did. You'd like to come and, and we'd like to pray with you and rejoice with you. We'd invite you to come. Uh, if God's speaking to your heart about this area, maybe betrayal, something else, some burden, the altar is open. Please take the advantage and the time to come and give those burdens to the Lord. 149 says, Up Calvary's mountain one dreadful morn, walk Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners' death on the cross, that he might save us from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, tree wounded and bleeding, for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Every person can say that. Jesus died for me. The altar is open. You come as we sing. Let's stand. 149, Blessed Redeemer.